I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching on God creating evil. We've done five messages on it. People don't like the idea that God creates evil, but he said, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. People try to make an excuse for God. They don't like the idea that he will create evil. They say, God wouldn't do evil. Let me make something real plain to you. You've got the law. The law. God is up here. He's above the law. God can kill whoever he wants to. He can bring evil in anybody's life he wants to. And uh, we are, man is below the law. The law is made for man, not, it wasn't made for God. God can kill. He said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. All through the Old Testament, I've got a paper here. I'm not going to finish going through it because I've got some other things to say on this. The title of this was, was, uh, does God create evil? And then under the, under it was in quotations, I will not pity. You're welcome to this paper. If you'd like to have it, I've got many copies of it. And, uh, I'm going through here and I've gone through the Old Testament, taken all these places that God says He creates evil. He says, I will bring evil upon Babylon, upon Persia. I'll bring evil upon Israel. He said specifically over there, we've been talking about it in the second chapter of Samuel. In the second chapter, not second chapter, second Samuel, in the twelfth chapter, because David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and murdered her husband, Uriah the Hittite. There's another reason when people say, well, I can't come to uh, the grace and truth because I'm too evil. I got too evil past. You've never done what David did. He killed one of his most, he had one of his most faithful soldiers, Uriah the Hittite, murdered in battle. David had that done, but he got his wife pregnant first. You've never done that, have you? I don't think so. And because he did all this, verse 11 of, well, Nathan stands in front of him, tells him, Nathan the prophet, and because he did all this in 12th chapter and verse 10, now therefore the sword will never depart from your house, David. It's going to be here from now on. Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife, and you murdered him besides. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee and thine own house. He tells David, I'm going to raise up evil. This is Nathan the prophet speaking for God. You can believe it was God. I'm going to raise up evil against you out of your own house. And he does exactly that. Uh, the next chapter, uh, his son Amnon, Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, rapes his David's daughter Tamar. And it was Amnon's half-sister because David had several wives. And then Absalom comes up. He hears about it. 
And so Absalom plans to kill Amnon, and he does that, but he waits two years and he catches him at a feast and kills him. Well, Absalom leaves town, leaves the country. Absalom heads back to Mama. He goes to his Mama. She is up here north of Israel. She's up here in the land up here north of Israel, up in this area up here. And he runs home to his mother, stays there a couple of years, and then Joab brings him back. Joab is David's nephew. Boy, let me, let me put something on the board so this can help you, so you can see what's going on. I always like to draw a picture of Israel so you can know what's happening. You got northern Israel and southern Judah. But that was after the nation was split because of Solomon's sin, where he allows his wives to keep all of their sun and tree gods. So God splits the nation because of Solomon, but he doesn't do it in during the days of Solomon. He does it under his son Rehoboam. And I'm not going to go into that right now. Now, I'm going to put something on the board so you'll understand. This is a family fight. That's what it is. <laughs> David has, he's got several wives in in when you go into second samuel the third chapter i've read about his wives his firstborn son is amnon he's got several wives here's let's put it up here like this david And he's got a lot of sons. Now, the son that Bathsheba is pregnant with, that baby dies there in that 12th chapter of 2 Samuel. God kills it. People say God wouldn't kill. He killed that baby. And then later on, David takes Bathsheba as his wife, who used to be the wife of Uriah, the one he committed adultery with. Don't ask me to figure that out. I can't figure it out. And then by Bathsheba, he has one called Solomon. Now, Amnon has been murdered. Has been murdered by Absalom. David's son. And later on, David's got some nephews by his sister, Z-U-R-I-A-H, Zeruiah. Or you can call it Zeruiah if you want to. And he's got these sons. He's got one called Joab and Abishai. And then he's got another sister, Abigail. And Abigail has a son named Amasa. (laughs) And this thing gets real complicated. Before I go any further, let me give you... Let me give you... This is 
David's family tree. And he's got all these other sons. I'm not going to get into them. These are the ones I'm interested in. And then you've got Saul. And David's commander of his armies is Joab. David promises that whoever is able to overthrow the old city of Jerusalem, which wasn't called Jerusalem, had another name back then. He got to be his commander. Well, his nephew Joab does that. Now, Joab, we talked about how Joab killed everybody in sight that got in his way. Joab killed Amasa. He killed Absalom. And he killed Abner, oh wait a minute, that's in Saul's. Saul is over here. He's got, his father is Kish. And Kish's father is Nair. And Kish's brother is Abner. Abner is Saul's uncle. And Saul employs Abner, since he's a great soldier, to be his commander-in-chief. The general in command of his army is commander. And Saul, he's, Abner is killed by Joab. He kills Abner. We've gone through the story. Uh, Joab is a killer. You don't mess with him. He'll get you. And his brother Abishai wants to kill everybody. And Abishai is a bad dude. You don't mess with either one of them. They'll get you. And uh, I just wanted you to see that because we're talking about these people. Now, Saul has some sons. He's got one named Jonathan. And Jonathan loves David with all of his heart. He's willing to stand against Saul, his father, for David being made the king. And boy, that just makes, it upsets Saul so bad. And he's got, Jonathan's got a son. It's just astounding how all of these come into play. His son is called Mephibosheth. Now, let me move this out of the way. Mephibosheth. I want to talk about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. That is Jonathan's son. Now, Jonathan loves David, and they have a covenant with each other. And all the time that David has made David has made king in first Samuel the sixteenth chapter. And that's where that God says after the fifteenth chapter, Saul does not Saul is the first man king of Israel. That's because the people say back in first Samuel the eighth chapter Saul's, uh, Samuel's got two sons that are evil and wicked, and he's the prophet in Israel, and we want a king. And God warns, Samuel warns him about a king, and said, a king will take your sons and put 50 of them in front of a chariot going into battle. And 
all they've got and all a king has is bows and arrows and spears. God has got earthquakes, lightning bolts, storms of all kind, and you want a king? They said, yes. So he picks out Saul and picks him out of the wrong tribe. Wrong tribe. How do you know that? Well, let me show you. It's the wrong tribe. Look here. Go back. Let me show you how I study when I study. I look at everything that is concerning. Look here in Genesis 49. Genesis 49. You've got to add everything up. It must have an equality to it. Things are not sagodling with God. What does that sound? Is that me? If I move that mic down. Now, now, Jacob is dying. He's on his bed, dying, his deathbed, in the 49th chapter. And he brings all of his 12 sons before him and gives them their blessings and their cursings. What do you mean cursings? Well, Simeon, he has to give cursings to him because, boy, he's mean and honorary. Uh, and he went in with Levi. It was Simeon's idea to go kill uh, Hamor and uh, and his son Shechem because they were they weren't Israelites, and Shechem had an affair with Jacob's only daughter, and her name was Dinah. You remember, if you remember Dinah, sure, you remember that. Dinah. And uh, and so Shechem was in love with her. And Shechem and Hamor asked Jacob, can we be, uh, can we be Jews, proselytes? Jacob said, yes, you have to be circumcised. So, because Shechem was having a sexual affair with Dinah, this makes Simeon bent out of shape. We've got to get them somehow. Even though his father had promised that they could be proselyte Jews. They didn't call it that then, but if you'll be circumcised, you can become uh, a Jew spiritually. Well, when they were circumcised and they were all sore and they couldn't move, Simeon goes to Levi and says, let's go kill all of them because they raped our sister. So they do. So Simeon, I believe that's why God put Simeon right in the middle of Judah to make him behave. Simeon wasn't a very nice guy. When people say, well, you're going to fix that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And then Simeon was a rascal. So if you look at verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. They're called instruments of cruelty. And then you get down here. He's Reuben was weak as water because he had an affair with his father's 
handmaiden or his mother's handmaiden and so he's kind of cursed too but you get down here to nine judah is a lion's whelp. judah was the fourth son of jacob one two three four you had reuben simeon levi and judah and out of judah would come the king I'm not going to spend time on this. I'm going to show you this verse. Verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Why will they praise him? Out of Judah will come the king. Jesus was the line of Judah. David came out of Judah. Anytime you see anything other than Judah for the king, it's wrong. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. To be on the neck of the enemy and subdue them, or the foot upon the neck. Thy, thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, and he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse up Judah? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. He'll have the ruling scepter of Israel. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, another name for Shalom, or peace is come, another name for Christ. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. They gather to Judah while he holds the scepter to rule with. So, so when you get over here, back over here to Second Samuel, and the people are griping and complaining, they're upset because uh, you go over here to the 8th chapter. The 8th chapter tells you why the people are complaining. Uh, they're complaining in the first part of the chapter, the 8th chapter. Wait, that's... I've got to get over here to 1st Samuel. I was in 2nd Samuel. All right. In the 8th chapter, you got to remember, the king has to come out of Judah. So in the 8th chapter, the Bible says it's introducing Saul. The people have said, give us a king in that 8th chapter because... Uh, Look at verse 2 of that chapter. Now the name of uh, of the 8th chapter. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel. This is, this is Samuel's children. And the name of the second, Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And Samuel's sons, even though Samuel was righteous, he had two unrighteous sons. You have that several times you've got that Nadab and Abihu were unrighteous that was the two sons of Aaron you had Hophni and Phinehas the sons of Eli in the first chapter in the second chapter of this book they were unrighteous and his sons walked not in his ways but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and preferred a judgment and then down in verse 5 behold you're old, Samuel. Your sons walk not in your ways. Now give us a king. God tries, Samuel tries to talk them out of it. But they're intent on it. So in chapter 9, verse 1, there was a man of the tribe of Benjamin. 
Benjamin is the twelfth son of Jacob. Judah is the fourth son. Jacob's name having been changed to Israel. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, and the son of Zeror, the son of Bekarath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul. Saul out of Benjamin? He can't be the legal king because he's from the tribe of Benjamin. So the people insist, give us a king. He says, I'll give you one. He'll be from the wrong tribe and I'll have to turn away from him. So when Saul gets really rebellious against God in the well, actually, starts in the 11th chapter getting rebellious. It goes all the way through the 15th chapter. And he's rebellious, doesn't do the things that God says. God takes the kingdom away from him and gives it to David, who's of the tribe of Judah in the 16th chapter. And it says, Saul was a choice young man, a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a better man than King Saul. Except he wasn't king yet. He was just a good guy. And it goes on to say, a goodly person, and from his shoulders and upward, he was higher than anybody in the land. He was the tallest guy in the land. So, when you get to that 16th chapter, and the Lord tells Samuel, you go down to Bethlehem, Judah. I've chosen me a king among his sons. Saul is bent out of shape how's that for an idiom he was mad he thinks David is setting himself up to be king it wasn't David it was God that set him up to be king because he was and the Bible says at the very end of the 15th chapter it repented God that he made it Saul king God didn't find some Baptist church and walk down the aisle I'm so sorry I made Saul king he repented in the Old Testament Hebrew means to turn he had to plan his turn because he made a Benjamite king when he should never have been king. Can you see that? Now, Saul gets to chasing David all through First Samuel. In the eighteenth, excuse me, in the seventeenth chapter, David goes out and kills Goliath. Seventeen, eighteen, Abner. Saul's commanding general brings David into the presence of Saul and says, uh, here's this young man you want to know. Meet him, the guy that killed Goliath. David wasn't a scrawny, pansy, skinny little guy. That's not what he was. He was evidently too young to be in Saul's army. He was probably about 17 but he was very wiry and very lithful and very graceful. He didn't look like the skinny picture of the little kid you always see of David. I'm just a skinny little kid and I can't do nothing. He was an expert with a sling. He knew exactly what he could do. If you get around some great big guy that's seven foot tall, most of them are real bulky and clumsy. They can't. They can't move around like a young guy. And so David goes up and zap, hits him right between the eyes. He didn't kill him with a sling. 
he stunned him with the sling and he fell down. Those guys, those shepherd boys were experts with a sling. They could hit a, they could hit a hare at 50 yards. That's how good they were. The sling was a very formidable weapon. In fact, uh, Alexander the Great had entire companies of men with slings. And they could go out, you kill a man quick with a sling if you were good at it. Anyway, he was very good. Then you get to the 18th chapter. David is brought in by Abner, his commanding general. Abner brings him in, introduce him to Saul. Abner was a fierce warrior. He couldn't have been killed by Joab if he hadn't caught him by surprise because Joab walked up to him and slipped a, slipped a knife between his under his fifth rib, the Bible says. He thought Abner was going to try to steal his place with David. You've got to understand, these guys were human beings and they were sinners. It's not like, and David said to Saul, you come this and the God, he goes away to God. It's not just boring words. These are characters. Now, in the 18th chapter, that's where the women were singing this song. Saul hath killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul got livid, and he grabbed a spear and threw it at David, and an evil spirit from God entered Saul. You think God don't do evil? An evil spirit from the Lord entered Saul, and that's when he threw the spirit at him, but that wasn't the only time he threw it at him. So Saul planned to have David killed. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you ahead of my bodyguard. I want you to be go out here. And he thought for sure, as young as David was, he'd get killed. I want you to go out and get me a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. He doesn't mean I want you to circumcise them. I want you to emasculate them, cut off all their genitals. Put them in a sack and bring them to me. David goes out, kills 200 Philistines, and brings their foreskins to Saul. Saul thinks, oh man, Saul thought he was going to kill him in that 18th chapter. And he had told him, I'll give you my daughter Merab. She's beautiful. Everybody wants her. And you can have her if you kill, if you kill these Many Philistines. When David comes back, Saul has given Merab away to another man. He said, well, you can have Michael, my other daughter. Now, Michael was a case. She was temperamental. She was always big-mouthed, trying to start something. And that's one thing that David didn't need. But he took her anyway and married her. She's the one that jumped his case. And he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after it had been in the possession of the Philistines. And when they captured the Ark of the Covenant, he brought it back. And Michael was coming in front of him and said, You're out here dancing in front of this Ark and you're doing all these things. Making a fool of yourself. And the Bible says from then on, he never touched Michael again and never had a child by her. 
she got her curse at that. Now, from the 19th chapter to the 31st chapter, Saul was constantly trying to kill David. Chased him all over the land. David even ran to the land of the Philistines at one point. I won't tell you all that. I want to get back to what's happening here. I wanted to introduce you to some of the children of David and and uh, Saul. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about what we've been talking about. I want you to go back over here to Second Samuel. Now I've taken you through the later part of Second Samuel, where Absalom was trying to take over the kingdom. Let me erase this and get back to where we were. I want to talk to you about Mephibosheth and Ishbosheth. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. Jonathan loved David with all of his heart. He had formed a, uh, it was an alliance with David. Saul was trying to kill David. And as soon as David runs for his life away from Saul, Jonathan meets David out in the wilds, out in the wilderness, and tells David, I'll go back to my father's house, to Saul's house, and I'll find out if he wants to, uh, if he wants to, you to come home. And uh, so the next day, Jonathan goes out and meets David. And Jonathan says, when I find out from my father what he wants, I'll come out here and you'll hear me fire, I'll fire an arrow and I'll have a, I'll have a, a messenger go out to procure the arrow. If I say the arrow is beyond thee to the messenger, run for your life. If I say he's on this side of thee, then you can come in. Jonathan goes out the next day and fires there and said, It is beyond thee. And from that day on, Saul is after David, trying to kill him, think he's trying to steal my kingdom. That's what the story is from the 19th chapter all the way to the 31st chapter. The 31st chapter, that's where Saul is going against the Philistines, and that's where he's killed the day before or the night before he goes to fight the last battle with the Philistines that he'll fight, he goes to a witch. He goes to the witch of Endor. We probably get the word. I'm sure the TV character Endora comes from that. That was uh, Samantha's mother on Bewitched, Endora. The witch of Endor, he goes to the witch of Endor, Saul does, and says, Am I going to have victory in this? I want to, I want you to conjure up, I want you to conjure up Samuel for me. Now Samuel's been dead for two years. And says, I want you to conjure up Samuel for me. 
what will she's going you're Saul you've out you've outlawed people like me in witchcraft and she began to run and God brought up Samuel she didn't she couldn't she's screaming running away saying ah I can't do that God brings up Samuel and Samuel said am I going to be Saul says am I going to be victorious and she says and Samuel, who's been dead for two years, says to Saul, Tomorrow, you and your sons are going to be with me. Now, Samuel was in heaven. He's saying, Saul, people say, Can you commit suicide and go to heaven? Well, the next day, he fell upon his sword when he was in battle with the Philistines. I want you to go over there. I want you to go over there and look at that in the last chapter of 1 Samuel. You've got to study all these things together. The last chapter, the 31st chapter of 1 Samuel. And this is Saul in his last battle. He's about to die. Verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. Mount Gilboa is where his last fight was. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan, the righteous man of God who loved David, and Abinadab, and Melchishua, Saul's sons. Now there's one son that's not there with him. I don't know if he had more. There's one son that's not there. Ishbosheth. Why isn't he there? You know what I believe? I believe he didn't want to be there. Now, let's go over here to Second Samuel. And I want us to look at Ishbosheth. Look at this fourth chapter. The fourth chapter. First verse. And Saul's son heard that Abner was dead. Abner had been killed previous in the previous chapter by Joab. The reason Joab killed him was because the one son in that second chapter, the Asahel, Asahel, was the brother of Joab and Abishai. Asahel was one of the fast runners in Israel. He was called Fleet of Foot. Of course, the mother was Zeruiah. And... uh, they were having some war games. That's all they were supposed to be in the second chapter. They got together northern Israel, which was led by Abner. you got to remember, Saul is dead from 1 Samuel. 
the 31st chapter. And Abner is the only man that can take over northern Israel. Even though Saul's got a son named Ishbosheth. So Saul takes over as the commander of Israel. David is commanding southern Judah. Judah, that always had a division in the two. And they get together in that second chapter, and they have what what we call war games. They're not supposed to be serious. These, these are young, healthy, vibrant young men. When they get together to play war, some of them get out of hand, and they start killing each other. They're not supposed to be doing that. And Asahel, the brother of Joab and Abishai, takes off chasing Abner of all things. That's one guy you don't want to chase. And Abner turns and says, Is that Asahel behind me? He said, It is I. He said, Don't catch me, and you will, because if you catch me, I will kill you. And he caught him. And Abner just runs his spear back through him. Joab gets crazy, goes out of his mind. He calls the wall for that day. But he's got it in for Abner. I'm going to get you. Abner comes from Ab. Ab means father. Remember I said Nair was his father. Ab is the word father. Abner means Father is near. That's what it means. Now, I want us to get over to this. So Abner, uh, Abner is killed. Asahel, and 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 uh, Joab is intent on killing Abner. So Abner goes to David in the third chapter and says, I want to unite the two kingdoms. I want to give you the ten northern tribes and let them come down and join you and you can be king over all of Israel. When he goes down there to meet with David, he tells David these things. Joab hears about Abner coming down. He says, he's trying to steal my job. So Abner is met by one day. Well, I'll go ahead and read it to you. In verse 24 of chapter 3, Joab came to King David and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came unto thee, and why is it that thou hast sent him away, and he is quite gone? I didn't hear nothing about this. Then verse 25, Thou knowest Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee, and to know thy going out and thy coming in, and to know all that you're doing. What? Joab is doing excusing Abner of being a spy. Abner was a good man. This is good as gold. He was trying to connect the old tribe. He knew he couldn't be the king. 
And when Abner was returned to Hebron, in verse 27, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak to him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. But Joab liked to kill and get revenge. Now, I want us to go on over here to the next chapter, to the fourth chapter. We're going to talk about Ishbosheth. He was kind of a pansy. I've, I look at these characters and I wonder about their issues and about their jealousy and their and their greed. And I believe Ishbosheth was kind of a slug. Why wasn't he with Saul? When Saul went to fight the Philistines in the 31st chapter, why wasn't he? I believe he just didn't have the guts. Because he's kind of showing himself here. And when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands were feeble. Uh, I guess so. And because Saul was their strength in northern Israel. And all the Israelites were troubled. And Saul's son had two men that were captains of bands. The name of the one was Baana. He's not a very nice guy. And the name of the other was Rechab, the sons of Rimmon. A Barathite of the children of Benjamin. These were Benjamites. Benjamin was the twelfth son of Jacob. For Barath also was reckoned to Benjamin. And the Barathites had fled to Gitaim and were sojourned there until this day. And Jonathan, Saul's son, the one who loved David, Jonathan's the one that formed a covenant with David. In fact, let me go and show you that in the 20th chapter of 1 Samuel. When Jonathan was running from, when Jonathan was helping David to run from his father Saul, Jonathan knew who God's man was. Look here in the 20th chapter of 1 Samuel. 20th chapter. This is where David and Jonathan are meeting. And David's trying to assure Jonathan he's not going to have him killed. The reason being, any time a man was king and you depose that king, most of them would have all their sons killed so none of them could raise up an army against them one day. And Jonathan is telling David, Look in verse 11 of chapter 20. Jonathan said unto David, Come, this is in 20th chapter of 1 Samuel. Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out of the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, there be a good toward David, and I... I then will show not unto thee, and show it thee. The Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do the evil, if Saul wants to hurt you, 
then I will show it thee and send thee away with that arrow. I'll holler at you and say, go beyond. I'll tell the the searcher, the arrow's beyond you. And send them away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only, this is Jonathan talking, thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also... Thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. This is Jonathan saying to David. They're making a covenant. And Saul's wanting David's life. Jonathan's his son and says, No, I'm going to keep you from getting hurt if I can. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David and every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon. And thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And that's when I'll come out here and fire the arrows. And I'll say either it's beyond you to the to the procure of the arrow, or it's on this side of you, and you'll know which way to go. And he did the same thing a, a couple other times. Now go back over here. We're talking about the son of Jonathan. Jonathan's dead. David feels that the covenant he made with Jonathan includes his son. And you'll see that when he's saying this. And his son is Mephibosheth. Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame in his feet he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled and it came to pass as she made haste to flee that his son fell and became lame and his name was Mephibosheth so he's lame and the sons of Rimmon the Berathite this Rechab and Beana up in the second verse and Beana went and came about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth that's another son of Saul who lay on bed at noon and they came thither into the midst of the house as though they would have fetched wheat and they smote Ishbosheth under the fifth rib and Rechab and Behana his brother escaped and they thought they were doing David a favor by killing Saul's son. 
And David loved Saul, even though Saul was trying to kill him. He would keep saying, Saul, I love you. Please don't do this. And Saul kept chasing him, trying to kill him. And when they came into the house, he lay on his bed, in his bedchamber, and they smote him and slew Ishbosheth and took his head and got them away through the plain all night. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David, thinking they're going to, hey, this is Saul's son. And you'll be happy that we're killing your enemy's son. But David didn't consider Saul his enemy. Even though Saul considered him an enemy. Understand that, boy, that's hard. Love your enemies. And Saul was a believer. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David to Hebron and said to king, to the king, to King David, Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy, we killed him. The Lord hath avenged my Lord David, the king, this day of Saul and his seed. David doesn't reply to him like the thing. He did not hate Saul. He loved Saul. And David answered Rechab and Baana his brother, the sons of Remon the Barathite. And he said unto them, As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity, when one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings. This happens in the first chapter of this book. I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would have given him a reward for such tidings. You think I'm going to give you a reward? Saul was my, was a, he was the anointed of the Lord. He had even told Abishai, you can't lay a hand on this man. He's God's anointed, even when they would trap Saul. He said, if God wants Saul dead, he'll kill him. I will not, neither will you, Abishai. And these guys are thinking they can take Saul's son Ishbosheth and kill him. Not that Ishbosheth was that nice of a guy. How much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house and upon his bed, shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hand? I'm going to require your death for this, David said, and take you away from the earth. And David commanded his young men, and they slew Rechab and Baana. They killed them and cut off their hands and their feet and hanged them up over the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the sepulcher of Abner in Hebron. Now, I've got to get into into the life of Mephibosheth. Go to Second Samuel. Well, I've mentioned him once already. Let's go to nine six, nine six, nine and six. I think of now 
Judges, Barth just got upset because Abner at one point I got to go back and give you something I, I missed. Back in the third chapter before Abner's killed verse 6 and it came to pass while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul and this is chapter 3 verse 6 and Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah the daughter of Aiah and Ishbosheth said to Abner Wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? Something you have to understand. When a king died, the concubines and the wives went to the incoming king. But Ishbosheth wasn't the king. He just thought he was. Because if you back up to the second chapter, when Abner, either having this confrontation with southern Judah, Look at verse 8, second chapter, verse 8. Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, which was a city of refuge just across the Jordan River, and made him king over Gilead. He didn't make him king over Israel, and Abner can't make anybody God's official king. And he brought him over. And this is Israel. This is the Jordan River here. Going into the Dead Sea. And here's Galilee up here. And over here is Mahanaim. And that's in the land of Gilead. H-A-N-I-M. That's the city of refuge where David had flown, had fled to, to get away from Absalom attacking him from the north. And this is Gilead over here. It's not Israel. Saul made him king over Gilead, which the laws didn't apply in Gilead that applied in Israel. So Ishbosheth gets all upset because Saul has got the hots for one of the one of. The, Saul's concubines and he wants to he wants to do something to Saul for that now let's get back here to where Ishbotha says here's why I want to show you that Ishbosheth wasn't a very honorable guy he assumed something that was not true about the women that were his father's concubines so he said, Isbasha says to Saul in verse 7 of chapter 3, Wherefore, why are you going into my father's concubine? And Abner, very wroth for the words of Ishbasha, said, Am I a dog's head that you talk to me like that? I'm the commander of northern Israel, and I'm winning whatever wars you've got here. 
which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father, so to his brethren and to his friends, and have not delivered thee into the hand of David, that thou charge, chargest me today with the fault concerning this woman. I don't have a fault concerning her. So do God to Abner, and more also except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so do I to him. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul. This is the thing that initiated Saul saying, we're going to give all the kingdom back to David. He's going to be complete ruler. You and your mouth, Ishbosheth, you're not the king. David's the king. I'm going to give the kingdom to him and set up the throne of David over Israel, over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. That means from one end of Israel to the other. And he could not answer. Ishbosheth couldn't answer because Ab couldn't answer Abner a word because Ishbosheth was afraid of Abner, and I guess he should be. He's just is assuming things that he cannot assume now. I gotta get into Mephibosheth. He does some, he does some funny things too. These guys weren't exactly all honorable. Ishbosheth wasn't. He was opening his mouth when he was only, he was only king as far as Abner was concerned. Abner is the one that appointed him. He can unappoint him if he want to, wants to. He wasn't the king of Israel. David was. So that's when Saul says, I mean, excuse me, Abner says, I'm going to David and turn the kingdom over to him. And that's when Joab catches wind of it and kills Abner. And, man, this thing goes on and on. This is like, I keep saying, saying it's as the world turns in Israel. you got killing, you got rape, you got murder, you got incest. Now, I want to get into... Mephibosheth. He's the son of Jonathan. David saves Mephibosheth several times simply because of his promise to Jonathan. Not because Mephibosheth deserved it. Because he didn't go with David to Mahanim when he went into battle. Even though he was crippled, David said, you could have gone with me, but you stayed at home. Now, let's look at Mephibosheth. He was, he was a character too. Look at nine. Let's go to, let's go to nine. And let's start reading here in verse six. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Halfway. That's the way I look at it after you learn about him. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan's sake. Nope, not for any other reason. Just for the covenant I made with your father, Jonathan. And will restore thee and all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. You'll be okay. I know you're a cripple. This shows you the example of how, how 
We need to love our neighbor and be kind to them and take care of them. He did this simply for the promise it made to Jonathan, nothing else. Thou shalt eat bread at my table, continuing. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog? A dead dog as I am. A dead dog, man, he is worthless. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son, Mephibosheth, all that pertain to Saul and to all his home, his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants and till the grant land for him. You've got to till it for him. He's crippled. This is Mephibosheth's servants. And thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth... Thy master's son shall eat bread away at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do as for Mephibosheth and the king. And he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Mekah, and all that dwell in the house of Ziba, their servants unto Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame in both feet. It doesn't say that at first. He was lame in both feet and he couldn't walk. And they didn't have any wheelchairs back then. I guess they carried him around. Now, I'm looking at Mephibosheth. Go over here to the 16th chapter. In the 16th chapter, you got to keep all this in context. In the 16th chapter, this is where David is fleeing from Absalom who's attacking David, trying to take over the kingdom, because Absalom, his son, has charmed all the people in Jerusalem. He says, I think they want me to be the king. So he takes off after David and chases him. And David leaves Jerusalem and goes up to here, flees out of Jerusalem, goes up to here, crosses the Jordan River, goes to Mahanium, that's a city of refuge. City of Refuge is supposed to be a place that Israelites would not attack. That was where you go and seek refuge. If you could get into the city, you're it's kinda of like being home free. You know, like hide and seek. Home free. Then in the sixteenth chapter verse one, when David was a little past the top of the hill, he he be He's, he'll behold Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth met him with a couple of asses saddled and upon them two hundred loaves of bread and a hundred hundreds of raisins and a hundred of summer fruits and a bottle of wine and the king said unto Ziba what meanest this what's this all for David is on the road no food He's got only what they could carry with him. And this is Ziba, 
Mephibosheth's servant trying to say, you need food, I'm going to help you. And the king said, where is thy master's son? Where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, today shall... Now this is a very important statement. It's talking about Mephibosheth. It sounds like Mephibosheth is back in Jerusalem and David kind of jumps his case because he doesn't go with him up to Mahanaim. They could carry him in some kind of vehicle of some sort. And it's like Mephibosheth didn't care. He says something here that shows his colors. Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Looks like Mephibosheth thinks he's going to get to be the king in the place of his father Saul instead of David being the king. Because Absalom is headed north, chasing David up north, and he's placing all of his eggs in one basket thinking... David's going to be conquered and I'm going to get to the kingdom restored to me. That's what this says right here. If you just read it, you might not even be thinking of that. If you just read, the king said, and there is a master's son. And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's about at Jerusalem. And today shall the house of Israel restore the kingdom of my father. And just read that without thinking about what's being said. Well, Fibosheth is saying, Looks like I'm going to get my father's kingdom back. He's betting on Absalom, evidently. Absalom must have looked good. He always did. Then said King Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertaineth unto Mephibosheth. Now, I've got to read you some more about Mephibosheth. In verse 4, I read that. Now, let's go to 19 and verse 24. David is, he goes and he fights the, the next chapter, 17. That's where Hithophel, David's chief, chief counselor, he defects from David and goes over to Absalom's side. The only reason Ahithophel would do that, Ahithophel was a great counselor. Ahithophel, most people never even talk about him. I've never heard a preacher even talking about Ishbosheth, have you? They don't talk about Ahithophel. He was David's chief counselor. He was very smart. He must have thought that David was going to lose the kingdom. He evidently didn't know enough about Scripture. He thought David would lose the kingdom. That's the only reason he went over to Absalom's side. Most of the people probably thought Absalom was going to win. He looked good. He had a good army. David had three generals. I call them that because they were commanders. And they were tough. He had his two nephews, Joab, his commander, and Abishai. And Ittai. 
Hittite was a Gittite. And it being a Gittite, he was a Philistine. What in the world is a Philistine doing on David's side of things? Because when Saul was chasing David, David found one place, the only place he could go was to the land of the Philistines. We call it the Gaza Strip. It was the land of the Philistines on the southern western end of Israel. We call it Gaza. Gaza was one of the Philistine cities. Gath was up here. Goliath was from Gath. So, started to give you something. I forgot what it was. All right, Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's counselor. And David was fighting for southern Judah. And and Absalom was coming up here to try to take southern Judah from David. And Saul's commander had been Abner. And Abner was trying to join the northern Israel to southern Judah through David. But evidently, this all hadn't taken place quite yet. And so they all think that Absalom, David's son, that David loves so much... And in this battle, he says, don't anybody touch David. I mean, touch Absalom. Nobody's to touch Absalom. Well, Joab pays about as much attention to David saying that as somebody pouring a glass of water on the ground. They get into the battle, and a young man comes to Joab, David's nephew, his commander. Boy, and David starts pulling his hair out at Joab and Abishai. He says, these sons of my sisters every year are too hard for me. I can't control them. But they get under control in time. The judgment of God comes upon them. Anyway, so Ahithophel, this chapter 7, 16, the last part of chapter 16 and chapter 17, is about Ahithophel defecting and going to Absalom's side. He wouldn't have done that being as smart as he was unless he believed he could win with Absalom. He gives Absalom some advice and says... It gives him some good military advice how he could win over David. But according to the Bible, he couldn't. So there was an old man. His name was Hushai. Most people don't even know that these people fought this way in the Old Testament, one into the other. Much less they didn't know that Israel was carried away into captivity for 2,600 years. You hear about the bondage for 400 years, but nobody ever hears about the captivity, do you? 2,600 years from 586 B.C. all the way to 1948, and particularly the Six-Day War of 67, where they took Jerusalem back. I, I never heard anybody talk about that when I was a kid, about the Bible. And then you haven't heard of Ahithophel. When you read the 55th Psalm, it's about Ahithophel. 
We had sweet fellowship together. We fellowshiped to, with, with God together. And your words were smooth as butter, but they were drawn swords. Talking about Ahithophel. And Ahithophel goes over to the other side. And David had told Hushai, this old man, you stay there in Jerusalem. And anything that you hear, you give the message to Ahimeaz and to Jonathan, the two sons of the two high priests. And they are fast runners and they'll come and tell David. And when, when Joab hears the word that, that, uh, Absalom is hung in a tree by his beautiful hair. He tells the man that tells him that, why didn't you kill him? He said, I couldn't do that. David told us not to touch him. He said, I'll kill him. Take me to him. And he throws some spears into him and kills him. Jonathan was, uh, Joab was heartless. Now, let's get back to the 16th chapter. 16th chapter. I would have already given you that. Let's go to the 19th chapter. I'm still on Mephibosheth. It sounds like he thinks he's going to get the kingdom back. And he about halfway acts like it. Let me give you something here. I've got to give you this. In this 19th chapter, verses 24, well, let's start here. Let me give you something else about Abishai. He wants to kill. Now, you remember at the end of this battle, or at the beginning of this battle, when David is crossing the Jordan River, when he's caught, the Jordan connects the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. It runs between the two. The origin of the Jordan River is the Sea of Galilee. And when David is going across the river to Mahaniam, the city of refuge, he sends out his three super generals, Ittai, Abishai, and Joab, to fight the forces of Absalom. And when he's crossing the river, this one man in this chapter, in the 16th chapter, he's hollering at David and throwing rocks at him. His name is Shimei, S-H-I-M-E-I, Shimei. And he's saying, you're a dog, you're worthless, you've stolen Saul's kingdom, and he was of the tribe of Benjamin. And he had been a follower of Saul. And Abishai said, Uncle David, I'll go kill this dead dog. And he said, let him throw stones. Just shut up, Abishai. God has bidden him to throw stones at me for what I've done. Look at all I've done wrong. I've committed murder and adultery. And he thinks I've stolen Saul's kingdom, and I haven't. Let him throw stones. Well, after, after they conquered, after they conquer Absalom, and they're headed back across the river, and the victory is David's, 
than Abishai, David's nephew, that rides everywhere that David goes in this 21st verse of the 19th chapter. And Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, David's sister, you can find that in the second chapter of 1 Chronicles, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death? Boy, Abishai, you don't want to get him off on the wrong side of you. He wants to kill you. For the for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed, my uncle David. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? Abishai, shut up, is what he's trying to say. You're just bugging the tar out of me. You always want to kill somebody for insulting me. I told you, let him throw stones. That you, that you should then this day be a, be adversaries unto me. He said, "You sons of Zaria, being in my adversaries, you're supposed to be on my side. You won't listen to me. You want to do things your way." Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do you not know that I am this day king over Israel? Therefore the king said unto Shimei, Thou shalt not die. And the king sware unto him, You're not going to die, not at least now. You will later on when Solomon is king. And Mephibosheth, now this 24th verse showed me how little Mephibosheth cared about David. He didn't go with him. He wasn't up there behind him to support him. Not only that, he looks like a bum when he comes back. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. He'd done nothing but just sat around and waited. And it came to pass when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said unto him, Wherefore thou wentest not with me to with me, Mephibosheth. Why didn't you go with me to Mahanim? I didn't fight. The soldiers already told me, we don't you going into battle. We want you to stay out of the battle because they will distinguish the light of Israel. If you die, David, his men had already told him that. And you could have stayed in the comfort of the palace in, in Mahanim with me. But he didn't. He acted just carefree he had already said i think my father's king going to be delivered to me this day and he's showing he has no respect for david you didn't go before a king looking like a bum back in that damn time and he answered david my lord O king my servant my servant deceived me what he's doing trying to pass the buck to his servant My Lord, O King, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my Lord the king. My, my Lord the king is as an angel of God. Man, he's going to polish up David. See, I don't trust Mephibosheth. 
You say he's lame. You should. No, no. He's not being real honest. He thinks he's going to get his father's kingdom back. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. Now, go to 21. Go to 21. Seven. Well, let's look at five through seven. Now, I'm going to have to read you the first part of this first. This is after the battle's over, after David has become the king of all of Israel. This is after everything seems to be settled. And there was a famine in the days of David, three years year after year and David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered it is for Saul oops God gets paid for everything that happens you'll pay for your sin I paid for all the sin that I committed for years I was a chronic bronchial asthmatic I was sick all the time That was because I kept myself under all kind of stress trying to be somebody. But it was my sin that I was trying to be. I was trying to be special in the eyes of the world. Famous in this, rich in that. It doesn't work. This is what, and you pay for your sin. The famine was for Saul for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites, Gibeah was a section. When you go it well over here in this map over here. The Gibeonites were people that were in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem. If you notice Jerusalem is in the tribe of Benjamin, not in the tribe of Judah. You would think it's in Judah, but it's not. And Saul was from Benjamin. And that's where Jerusalem was. That's where the temple was. That's where the religious religion of Israel, that's where the seat of it was right there. And the, ben, the, the Gibeonites inside of Saul's home was Gibeah. Saul the king, his home was Gibeah. And they were believed to be Amorites. They were heathens, Amorites. And the Bible says that Saul killed them. And God had made a covenant with the people of Gibeah. They said, can we be a part of you? We've heard how you've gone and how you've slain everybody that you come into. And we don't want to fight with you because we are just a small group. You can look at that over in Joshua 9. Look over there in Joshua 9. Joshua 9. This is where God made this. And Saul broke this covenant with Gibeah. Even though they were foreigners, it reminded me of, it reminds me of the covenant that Jacob made with Hamor and Shechem. When Simeon uh, got 
Levi to go with him and attack them while they were being circumcised and kill them. Jacob made friends of them, even though they were pagans. He said, if you be circumcised, you can be part of our our people. And here in Joshua 9, 23 and 27, Joshua 9, this is what this is talking about. God made a covenant, 9.23, 9.23, talking about the people of Gibeah. Now therefore you are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers. The people of Gibeah were the Nethanims. Nethanims. N-E-T-H-I-N-I-M-S. When you find Nethanims, that means keeper of the temple, servants. They hauled wood. They did whatever they needed to take care of the rituals of the temple. And he says that here. You'll be hearers of wood, drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua this is these Neth- these guys that's going to be Nethanims or servants for the house. They had a lot of work to do around the temple because it was certainly told thy servant how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we were afraid of for our lives because of you and have done this thing. We're giving up. Want to become a part of Israel. And Saul evidently had broken that covenant along the way somewhere. And God says, just for that, I'm giving this famine here. It seems like it had been all over. That was a long time after the book of Joshua. That was in the day of David when he's fighting. If you want to read something about the battles of Israel, read First and Second Chronicles. Whoo! It's like wartime when you get into it. There was famine, and God's, it's because Saul slew the Gibeonites that God had made a covenant with. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not the children of Israel, but the remnant of the Amorites. They were... They were pagans that had been left there. You remember, Joshua was told to drive out all the pagans, and they didn't. They married them in that first chapter of Judges. And that's what these people were. The Gibeonites were still some Amorites there. and said, we heard about how powerful your God was, and we don't want to fight him, so we give up. How much time do I have, Mike? Seven. I ain't going to be able to finish this. And the children of Israel, this is verse 2. This is chapter 20 on 2 Samuel. And had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel. Just being zealous and say, I'm going to do this for God. He just ignored God's covenant with them. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? Boy. And where... Where shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gimeonites said unto him, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul. We don't want that. 
What we want is something more serious than that. Nor of his house, neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. He said, What shall you say that will I do for you? And they answered the king, The man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel. Let seven men of his sons, Saul's sons, be delivered unto us, and we will hang them unto the Lord and give you of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. David said, I'll give them to you. And the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan. So he's not going to give Mephibosheth to him. But the king took two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul, Armoni, and whom she bare unto Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, she had been the wife of David, whom she brought up from Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Maholathite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and they fell all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days of the beginning of the barley harvest. They said, that's it. So they got their revenge by hanging seven of the sons of Saul. Lordy mercy. Now, I, I can't go into the next chapter. This same chapter is where this 21st chapter of Second Samuel this is where David comes up against the sons and the brothers and the ancestors of Goliath, of Gath. You get down to the end of the chapter. Verse 15, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. The Philistines, they were just in what we call the Gaza Strip down there. That was the land of the Philistines. It was right pressured on Israel all the time. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war against again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibanab, which was the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. That was a big, big shield and and being girded with a new sword thought to have slain David now these are the big guys let's read about them but Abishai the son of Zeruiah succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him then the men of David swear to him saying thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel. This is where they tell David, we don't want you going to battle anymore. 
you'll be killed and the light of Israel will be gone out. We don't want you to battle no more. David's men are telling him this. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Shebekai and Hushanite, the Hushanite, slew Soph, which was the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistine where Elhanan, the son of Jaar Oragam, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff whose spear was like a weaver's beam, a huge man. But he was probably clumsy, just stumbling around. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where a man of great stature that had every, on every hand six fingers, on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born of the giant Goliath. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shemia, the brother of David, slew this giant. These guys were very good in battle. They didn't have to get close to the giant where they could wrestle with him. They could get him with a sword. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. I hope you're getting a hold of the fact that it was a lot of war and a lot of double dealing going on in Israel between David and all of his enemies and sometimes David was being the enemy of God by not being obedient to his word when you think you're having a hard time read these characters in these books they weren't they weren't just biblical characters had personalities they got angry they lied they cheated they stole they were devious and underhanded at times. Most of them were not believers. These guys in the Bible are my acquaintances. Some of them are my friends, and some of them are my enemies because they were God's enemies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, we pray that you'll Give us strength and fight our battles for us like you did, David. Lord, I get so tired of this world not believing you. You said all we have to do is cry unto you and tell you to fight for us, and you do that. And I pray that you'll fight all of our enemies and stop anybody who tries to hurt this this ministry. We pray you'll open up the doors for Europe and all this TV that we're on. And we don't know what to do with John over there in Ireland, but help us to know what to do. Lead us and guide us in everything. We'll praise you for everything you do. This is all your will. We know that. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. These are a lot of things, aren't they? Hope you all are getting a hold of a lot of this. It will show you how that we don't need to rebel against God in our life. 
He's still the same God. He won't put up with it. 